Read this story this week from June the 19th, 1865. Union General Gordon Granger came into Galveston. And he came in and he made two announcements. The war is over and the slaves are free. The only problem with the announcement is that the second part had been made two and a half years before that. When President Abraham Lincoln had given the Emancipation Proclamation, where he had literally freed the slaves. But the slaves in Galveston, Texas, and across the South had not realized their freedom, even though they've been given it. And today, as we go to Romans chapter 12, where we're starting today, Paul has used the book of Romans to give an amazing proclamation of the grace and freedom that we have in Christ. But here was his worry. His worry was that though we have been freed, many of us don't realize it. Though God looks at us and says, you're saved, you're right with me, you're perfect in my sight, many of us feel far from that. And so now he gets into practical so that we can begin to take this new legal standing we have with God and make it practical in our own life. And Paul knows that the battleground for this battle is in our mind. So listen with me as we read from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform, literally, do not be pressed into the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Here's what Paul knows. Paul knows that if we could get a new mind, if our mind could be renewed, we could experience the freedom that we really have in Christ. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Today, to me, is one of the most important lessons in this series. Because if we're going to be a new people, if we're going to be a new church, then it's going to take us having a brand new mind. And the good news is that God says you can have that. Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Why do you need and why do I need a new mind? The Bible says some really solid things about that. First of all, my thoughts control my life. The wise man said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Did you hear that? Your life is shaped by your thoughts. One, one person put it, the train of your thoughts determine your destination. If you grew up thinking, whether it was true or not, that you're worthless, which is not true, that you don't matter, that you're ugly, that you're uncoordinated, that you really aren't smart, if you grew up thinking those things about yourself, the problem is that can become the determination of your life. If today you think, you know, God can never forgive me, my sins are too terrible, or I can never forgive that person for what they did to me, that was too terrible, then your train of your thoughts will lead to that destination. So my thoughts control my life. And then it makes sense, the second point, my mind is the battleground. Guys, it's right between your two ears where the battle over your soul is being waged today. Even the Apostle Paul felt that. Romans chapter 7, he's struggling in his life. And he knows he comes from the struggle in his mind. 
He says, I love to do God's word and God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else deep within me. In my lower nature, there is a war with my mind and wins that fight and makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Even Paul says, there are times I lose the battle of my mind. Think about all the battles that go on right here. Pride, lust, envy, greed, worry. It all happens there. So Satan knows if he can just plant those seed thoughts, he can destroy you. Now, understand this. Satan cannot make you think anything, but he can make some really, really good suggestions. And that's what he does. Now, listen to me. You know, we're in a war on terror right now as a country. And in this war, we know that we have some assets that we need to protect. That there was sort of a terror alert that went out this summer that says that one of the next places they would like to hit would be a sporting event. So I don't know if you've been to one of our our stadiums this, this year, but security is higher than ever. You have to walk in if you carry any bag with a clear bag. I visited one of them Thursday of the week, and you couldn't even get close to it because we know that's a protected asset. Now, here's what I want to say to you. So often, guys, our most, protect, our most unprotected asset is our mind. We just let whatever come here, stay here. We entertain thoughts. And it's really dangerous because God says that's where it all begins. So we, we need to protect it. Reminds me, when we, we moved in our new house a few years ago, um, we live in one of those neighborhoods where all the houses are really close. And there's a, a really, there's a bank of windows in our living room. Our TV is like right there. And um, for the first year and a half we lived there, the truth was we couldn't afford the curtains to cover the TV. And so it was very exposed. In fact, many of you may remember Chad and Betsy Emerson. Betsy said to me one day, she said, Buddy, you need to be really careful what you watch on your TV because my children sit on our front porch and watch it with you. All right? <laughs> it, it, it was just that obvious, okay? And, and I, I'm, I'm being honest with you, that was some pretty good protection, man. When I know all my neighbors could see them. The problem came is when we put the curtains up. That's when you're not as careful. And guys, that's the problem with our mind. Most of us protect our language. You're not going to come to church and let a slew of cuss words out because someone may hear it. You're not going to do some kind of violent action because someone may see it. But you could be sitting here in these pews today and be thinking awful things about yourself or about someone else and nobody knows. And so often we leave it unprotected. We did an exercise a few years ago and we talked about the mind that really was changing, life-changing for me. We challenged each other to think about what you think about. That sounds crazy. Think about what you think about. Because too often we just think about whatever we think about and do nothing about it. And I remember that week of that challenge, just filtering my thoughts and going, oh my goodness, you're letting your mind dwell on these things way too much. Because here's the last point here. It's the way to life and peace. Listen to what Paul says. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. He says there's two destinations. Life and death. Where's the battle fought? Is the, is the mind controlled by the fleshly nature? Or is the mind controlled by the Spirit? 
And that's why let me say this to you today, because I don't know what's going on in your life this morning. And there may be a lot of things that you'd like to change, but here's a statement I need to hear, maybe you need to hear. God is far more interested in changing my mind than changing my circumstances. You got that? Often what I think is, Lord, if you just take this out of my life, if you just give this to me, then, also, then I'd be okay, Lord. Just change what's going on around me. Take this illness away. Take this problem away. Take this boss away. Take these circumstances. Take the financial. And I understand all those things. But listen to me. God is far more interested in changing your mind than changing your circumstances. Because if he changes your mind, you can handle almost anything in your life. So, I like what he says here. Let the Spirit control your mind. You have a choice in that. And God's nice enough to say, would you let it happen? My wife often says to me after supper, I'm going to let you clean the kitchen. And I say, thank you very much. It's quite an honor. Well, you need to let the Holy Spirit control you. How do you do that? You walk in step with the Spirit. You cooperate with the Spirit of God. I'm going to give you three choices for you to renew your mind every day. We're going to look at these choices, and then we're going to have a testimony this morning that I think that will help each one of us do a better job of renewing our mind. So what are those three choices? Because, this, guys, we've got to be honest here, this is a daily battle, amen? Now, you're probably battling this right now. What do you need to do? Because here, let me say this. Satan can't control your thoughts. God is not going to bully you to control your thoughts. He has put the channel changer in your hand. Now, you cooperate with him, the Holy Spirit's going to move in and do amazing things. But it's a cooperative effort. So what do you do? First of all, feed my mind the truth. Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our thoughts need to be fed with the truth of God's Word. If you're going to be healthy mentally, you've got to be consistently feeding yourself God's Word. Now, we we found out physically about eating that instead of eating just three big meals a day, it actually would be healthier for you to do six small meals, okay? Now, remember I said small, okay? Six small meals would be better for you. Mentally, to, to, to win this victory for God... It seems to me better than just one big meal a day with God, because God's Word is is literally soul food. You need to be constantly feeding your mind God's Word. That's why the psalmist says, I wake up in the morning with your Word on my mind. And when I go to bed at night, your Word's on my mind. In fact, listen to Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. So feed yourself the Word of God. Because here's the deal. You've got a lot of lies floating around in your head. You need to confront them with truth. Number two, free my mind from destructive thoughts. Feed my mind the truth. Free my mind from destructive thoughts. Here's my favorite passage about this. It's a warfare passage. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish stronghold. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a lie that you have consistently believed in your life. 
and it's become that, that mental rut that you almost automatically fall into if something bad happens. It's a stronghold. What do you do? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Many of us are prisoners of things that are lies that people have said to you or that Satan has suggested to you or maybe you even said to yourself, you're a prisoner, that you're a failure, that you can over, over, never overcome this sin, that your marriage is never going to be good, that you're never going to be able to, to, to do that job. And you become prisoners because we let those lies stay there. And often not only do we let them stay there, we sit back in our lazy boy, we get our Coke and our popcorn, and we entertain them. Now, I want to make a statement here I think is really important. Don't believe everything you think. Say that with me. Don't believe everything you think. That's one of my problems. I just thought what I think is what I think. There's no reason to question it. I mean, it's just my thoughts. It's got to be true. One of the most liberating statements you could grab onto today is don't believe everything that you think. What, what do you do? Paul says you, you use some, some warfare language. You, you take them captive. The literal word there is you conquer, you conquer that thought. You twist its arm and you make it come to a place of obedience to thought. Instead of believing everything that you think, you've got to ask, is this thought a thought that's literally obedient to Christ? If not, you capture it, you bring it under the will of God, and you stop it. Now, that's some pretty deliberate action there. It means that, that you're going to have to be aggressive in this battle. So let me give you an answer here. Number three is focus on the right things. You need to feed yourself God's Word. You need to allow God to help you free yourself from destructive thoughts because your thoughts are leading you to death. And you need to focus on the right things. Here's the truth. You are not going to remain empty. You are going to think about something. You know this like I do. Have you ever told yourself to stop thinking something? Stop thinking about it. Don't think about it, buddy. No, don't think. Does that help anybody? Does that help anybody? All you're doing is focus on what you're not supposed to think about, which means you think about it again. It just doesn't work. So let me give you three things to focus on. They're so basic, but so powerful. First of all, you need to think about Jesus. Keep your mind on Jesus, 2 Timothy 2.8. Second, you need to think about other people. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. Don't just think about your own affairs. That's natural. Be interested in others too. And then number three, think about heaven. Think about things of heaven, not the things of this earth. You know, I found if I try to think myself out of my bad thoughts, I make it nowhere. Um, I've confessed this before to you guys. I mean, I struggle with depression at times, and I figured out my depression comes from me being fairly OCD. Maybe fairly is a nice word, okay? But once I get something on my mind, I just don't release it, which is... Literally, I think one of my strengths, but it also is something Satan can use as an amazing weakness because I just think the same thing over and over again. And I remember a dear sister once in this church gave me an article about overcoming OCD thoughts. 
and how that you do that. And one thing the article said is, you've got to get your mind on something else for at least 15 minutes. So if you go to bed and you're trapped in this thought, you've got to think about something else for 15 minutes. Now, here's what I learned to do. I quote the 23rd Psalm. I just, I just quote it in my mind over and over for at least 15 minutes, and I free myself from that thought. It, it, it literally works. Another thing that I think works amazingly is just go do something for somebody else. If you're trapped in your house and trapped in these thoughts, and you're just depressed and feeling bad about life and negative and hypercritical about everybody around you, the best thing you can do is find somebody who needs you and go help them. It's powerful. But you've got to break that thought pattern because you get in a rut. And what it's going to probably take for most of us is something rather abrupt. This is what helped me with my OCD. Is that this article described that people who have OCD are people who have, in car terms, manual transmissions. Most people have automatic transmissions. That means your thoughts just automatically sort of filter through what goes next and next and next. If you're like me, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I get stuck. And so I've got to put more effort in than the automatic transmission person. I've got to push the clutch in, and I've got to rip the gear up, and I've got to change it. Now, that's going to take some effort. How many of you relate to having manual transmissions? Raise your hand. Make me feel better, okay? Thank you. Thank you. It, it, it's just so you're going to have... You can't just listen to this sermon today, guys. Listen to me. And walk out of here and just think the way you've always thought. You've got to make a deliberate effort that you're going to think about what you're thinking about. You're not going to believe everything you think about. And you're going to, you're going to take some action to free yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit from that. Now, I want to interview a young man today that I think can really help us because I think he's dealt with what might be the strongest mental rut among us. So I've asked Trey Hayes if he would come and if he would share with us just for a moment, a few minutes, about uh, his struggle. You all know, and again, I'm using a word he's going to correct me on a minute, struggle, is that uh, Trey has been open before the church before this about struggling with um, pornography. And um, we all know what a strong, a strong power that is. So I'll, what I want to do with Trey today is I want to start with that topic, but I want us to move from pornography to this idea of getting out of the rut. Because y- your rut may not be pornography. It might be critical thinking. It might be that you worry the same thought over and over. It might be that you become quite negative. It might be that you're envious. It might be that you get a high off buying something new. So you're always going out and buying stuff you can't. It could be any of those things. But let's use this foundation and let's try to get some, I think, some really good advice today about how to work on this. All right. Try, first of all, tell everybody, um, when did the pornography start and how long were you trapped? I learned that I was uh, fairly young when it started, about 12, uh, 13, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I struggled with it for um, about 12, 13 years. So, from your perspective, because most statistics would say, if we're being honest here today, 50% of this audience is right there. Why is this so pervasive? Um, I think it's a, a really big issue because it's so accessible now. You know, I mean, with, um, with this, you know, if, 
one in five Google searches on this is full pornography. Uh, one in five. And so um, it makes it so accessible. It used to be that you had to seek out pornography from the internet. Now it seeks you, you know, from social media or you know, people get to whatever else. And so, I mean, another statistic is 90% of people um, view pornography by age 16. Notice I said people. I think that's a lot of times where we get this wrong. Uh, when this, uh, we want to talk about this issue, you know, we have a guys' night, you know, in the youth group or a college group or whatever, or we have a men's prayer breakfast or something, and we talk about, you know, this being a guy issue. This is not a guy issue. 90% of people. This is not a, a male issue. This is a human issue. And so, I mean, it's, it's so accessible. And then another thing, it's so anonymous. You know, for me, I mean, you know, awkwardly enough, my, my family's an audience today. And so, um, they have no idea. Zero idea. My wife had no idea. It's so anonymous. And then, you know, with what's going on in your mind, it's so, so addictive. Yeah, do, you, do you think the word addictive is, is not too strong a word? I think the word addictive is the only word to describe. Okay. You know, if you, you, you kind of made a judge, I mean, you, we'll talk about, oh, I've got a, I've struggled with pornography. Um, I have a pornography issue because we, we soften it because so many of us struggle with it, right? So there we go, struggle with it. This is very much an addiction. When you look at what happens chemically in your brain, the fact that, you know, dopamine is a, is a big part of it, and other chemicals too, but dopamine is a major component of all addictions. The fact that when you view pornography and everything that comes along with it, the fact that your brain drops more, dope, more dopamine in that process than it does when you hit a, hit a cocaine, maybe that puts it in perspective for us how addictive this is. Yeah, keep on, because that's been fascinating to hear you talk about that, and I know you've talked some places about that. Mm-hmm. How do those mental ruts develop? And I'm sure dopamine's a part of that and other chemicals, but how does that develop? Um, I, I, I'm not a doctor or a psychologist or anything, so I'll use really technical words. Um, our brains are very much plastic. They are meaning that they're, they're molded by our experiences. And I mean, that's a good thing. It's why God designed them that way. I mean, for instance, um, my wife is a chemical engineer, and so she does differential equations all, you know, every day. It's been 10 or 15 years since I've done differential equations and wasn't that very good at it when I, when I was doing it in college. But uh, yeah, she can do that. She exercises that, that part of her brain. So the, the things that we use the most or the things we think the most are the easiest for us to get to. And so what happens with this dopamine and delta velocity and all these other chemicals is as we develop habits, our brain develops pathways. I mean, you, you think about it, the picture of a brain, it's wrinkles. It's literally pathways. And so for, you know, for this example, pornography and really anything else, is we develop those pathways and as we use them, those ruts get deeper and deeper and deeper. And so with pornography, we, we end up saying pornography is the issue. Pornography is not the issue. The five or six things or ten things that get us where we're hungry, angry, tired, bored, whatever else, what, what happens is we've, de- we've developed an interstate in our brain that leads to this leads to this thought pattern or pornography or whatever it is, and we've got ten on-ramps to it at any given time. And so we work backwards, and that's how we, we, we get it wrong. And so you've got to start with treating those, those pathways that leads there because your brain, again, is very plastic, very multiple by experiences. So I'm hearing you say, here's the good news part of this, no matter what our, our deal is, is that our brain can be rewired. Those ruts can be undone. Yeah, that's the neat part of the, about the way the Lord's designed our brain is just as you developed that interstate, if you will, um, it can be completely undone. You, your brain is just as plastic the other way. And so um, 
you know, a lot of you guys are, are you know, working on your honeymoon, and your honeymoon this life, you know, over the next couple of weeks to get ready. But what's what's happened to those trills and everything that lead to your stands or lead to your uh, lead to your fields is the same thing that happens in our brain. As we deny ourselves and as we that willpower goes up, those paths die. They die a little bit more. They die a little bit more until eventually all of those all that interstate it just is completely withered away and dead. And so it's it's incredible the fact that just as easy as it is to develop our habits, it's completely as easy to undevelop them as well. Well, that's good news. And so as we talk about this today, I don't know what's your mental rut. I'm sure you have something that you immediately, you know, I like the, the words you used about when you're hungry, or you're tired, or you're lonely, or all, all those things are triggers that you sort of fall back into. So it's encouraging they can be changed. So let's, but let's, let's get really practical now for whatever you're dealing with. What practical steps would you tell somebody to overcome this? So what's, what's neat is when I, I started researching this, um, you know, it, it's cool that God you know, allows us to catch up with him, you know, sometimes on what he's done all along the way, you know, designed our brain. And so what science is now telling us, it may sound familiar to this crowd, is um, the first thing you've got to have is what they call a eureka moment, is that, that, that line in the sand day where you say, this is, this is it. And it's got to have, like they said, open confession. Maybe that sounds familiar to this property of this church. Um, but um, you've got to have that line in the sand where this is enough, and then you've got to say it to somebody. And that kind of leads to the second part, is accountability. And that's a super churchy word, but it's, again, that's what the science, you know, tells us. Because the way your brain thinks, and again, you're trapped inside your own head and it's anonymous and all this kind of stuff, is you cannot do this alone. You've got to have that accountability. And then for a lot of habits, for every one of those, is you need 90 days, non-zero. And so we talked about those, those pathways. You need 30 days for those pathways to die in your brain. And then celebrate that victory. The, the 60 days after that, that 31 through 90, are actually more important. Because as those, as those processes die, you have to replace it with something. Because you're going to think about something. You know? And so you've got to develop that pattern of, that doesn't lead back to the addiction that you, that you have. And so that's, you know, you know, you know just a quick Google search. You know, I started this morning. 90 days from now is the day before Christmas Eve. So you think about what's going through your mind, going through your heart right now. By Christmas, you can celebrate that, you know, and, and completely be out of that rut. You know, a lot of times we get to this point, and we need to start following down that path. I heard you say at first service, you tried to quit 500 times, but you, you finally, what made you finally get past this? What motivated you? I think that, you know, understand that this wasn't a one-time thing. Um, you know, I really did probably quit 500 times, because it's not something proud of, it's none of this, you know. And so it was this process of, you know, I, well, I could never guilt my way out of it. You know, the Holy Spirit was always doing, doing his job. I would always feel guilty. This is it. This is the last time. Or I would come to a service and I would hear something like this. It was that just the last time. It was that process of once I finally confessed it to somebody and um, that somebody was my wife. And um, just understanding the damage that I was not only doing myself but to her. And understanding that 56% of divorces 
this pornography is a major contributing factor. What was I allowing into my life? And the fact that, you know, that was as, as hurtful to her as it was. It just, just broke my heart. So one more question. That's a lot of practical steps, but we know it's impossible without God. How did you see the Holy Spirit in the middle of this? It's so impossible. Um, you know, start with Amanda. Um, I don't know if I've ever received that much grace from somebody. Um, and even as, as we got over this and went through this process, and, you know, the fact that, you know, this is still hurtful. I mean, even years later, this is, this is still an open wound to us. And she's the one that prayed over me this morning before we left the church. Um, that's God. That's how God wins. The fact that the fact that you and I are speaking with, with this congregation about you know battling wrong. I mean, I, I mean you battle depression. I battle this. That's going back to last week. That's in our weakness. God, God shows His strength. He's been there every time. Because you can imagine any of you that ever put yourself out there on any any given topic. That's when you get. I mean, even this last week, knowing that, knowing that we're going to do what we're doing right now today, that's the most I've been tempted in a very, very long time. You know, and then just having that accountability, me texting you that and saying, this is, this is crazy, here's what Satan's planning today. I need help, and I need you to pray. And as I've tried to live openly about this, God's been there. He's, he's, he's done it every time. No, he's used you today. Guys, thanks right for sharing with us today. Appreciate it, man. Good job. Now the next step we need to take together is, is have you had that eureka moment? Have you had that moment that God says when you finally just confess it? The word confess is a real simple word in the Bible. It simply means to agree with God. When you finally see what God says about your greedy thoughts or your worrying thoughts, or your pornogra- uh, pornographic thoughts, or you name it. You finally just go, you know, God, I, I see that. I agree with you. I'm sick and tired of it. I want it to change. And the Bible says you don't need just to confess it to God. Look at this passage from James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is just something powerful about finally getting it untrapped from your mind and saying, I struggle with depression and I feel lousy and I'd like to get in my car and just run. I just worry all the time and it takes all of my joy. I don't know what your issue may be today, but there's a power in saying out loud and then there's a power when a righteous person prays for you. And so today we're going to give you that opportunity not to come to the front row and write something out, but I've asked all of our ministers and their spouses that are here to come and surround the stage. I'm going to send Trey and Amanda uh, back to the left corner and Casey and Kelly to the right corner. But the other ones of our staff members here, if you'd just come on up here and join me in the front row. Stephanie, if you'd come. And we're going to give people opportunities to, to pray together. And all you're going to have to do or need to do is just come up here and say to one of us your name and what your mental rut is, and let us just pray for you right there on the spot. It's, it's just that easy. And, and what, I, what we want to see happen is this proclamation that God has said about your freedom in Christ, the grace that Trey was talking about a moment ago. 
that it not only be just a, a theological matter that it's true that you're forgiving, but it be a realization that you're out of the slavery. And I, I tell you today, if you'll take advantage of this opportunity, God would bless you. So we're going to stand and sing a couple songs. And if you would like to come, just come here or to the back corners and uh, let us pray with you right now while we stand and sing.